0: Take your Bible this evening, and I want you to turn. I'm not going to ask you to stand simply because I have several places I want you to read. I want you to turn to the book of Ezra and chapter number one. Ezra, chapter number one. While you're turning there, I do want to say it certainly is to be home. Uh, My. My travels this summer have taken me all across the country, but what a privilege to represent Golden State Baptist College and uh, to see what God is doing across our land. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we get the Elijah syndrome. We think we're the only one. There's no other churches. There are no other Christians that everybody else has gone the way of compromise and the way of worldliness But I just want to say tonight, there is hope. There are 7,000 others that have not bowed the knee to bail. Uh, I'm glad that scattered across this country in cities and hamlets and towns and villages, there are churches, country churches, city churches, big churches, small churches that are still proclaiming the gospel, still living for God, still serving Him. And enjoying the blessings of the Lord. But there's no place like North Valley Baptist Church. And uh, it's certainly good to be back home. Ezra chapter number 1. I want to read just a couple of verses. And then I want you to turn to another place. So if you'll just follow along. Ezra chapter number 1. Verse number 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia. That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God uh, be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice a statement. I want you to notice the purpose that all that is going to transpire is hinged upon. He said in verse number 3, here is their goal. They are going to build the house of the Lord God of Israel. What is the purpose that they're going to undertake in the book of Ezra. It is to build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Let's say that together. It's to build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Let's say it one more time. To build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Now turn over with me, if you will, to Ezra chapter number 6. Ezra chapter number 6 and verse number 14. Notice what the Bible says. And the elders of the Jews builded and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo and they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia and this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. Now notice, their purpose was to build the house of the Lord God of Israel, and the Bible says in verse number 15 of chapter 6, and this house was finished. They accomplished their purpose. Now turn with me, if you will, to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah and chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 2, and let's look at verse number 17. The Bible says, this is Nehemiah speaking, Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them in the hand of my God, which is good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. Now notice in verse number 17, we learn the purpose, the whole focus behind the work of Nehemiah. While the work of Ezra was to build the house of the Lord God of Israel, the focus of Nehemiah was found in verse number 17, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Let's say that together. And let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. What was the purpose of Nehemiah? To build up the wall of Jerusalem. Now, let's turn over to Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse number 15. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and fifth day of the month. Elo in fifty and two days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful privilege that is ours together in your house to hold in our hands a copy of the Word of God, the, the mind of God put in writing so that we can discover what you think, what you desire, what you want from us. We don't have to question. We don't have to wonder. We have it in black and white. And Lord, tonight as we open your word and we look to it, we pray that you might open our minds, that we might perceive your message. Uh, Open our hearts that we might receive it. Most of all, may our spirits be willing to make application and implement it in our own lives. And we'll thank you for what you do, for we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Now the books of Ezra and Nehemiah record events that took place, that transpired uh, during the return of the people of Israel from captivity back to the Promised Land. We understand how that because of Israel's sin, because of Judah's sin, God had pronounced judgment upon them, he had promised them, uh, even as far back as the days of Moses, if they rebelled against him, he would send them into captivity and God always keeps his word. You can mark it down. God will always do what God says he will do. It may not be on your schedule or on my schedule, but on God's schedule, he will fulfill his word. They rebelled against God. They went into idolatry and to immorality, all kind of iniquity. And so God sent them into captivity under the hands of of the Babylonians. Now they went into captivity in three different stages or three phases, as it were. Uh, they, they went uh, in three different groups. God would send the Babylonians to come, and, and first of all, they took the royal seed, they took uh, those who were nobles. Daniel went in that crowd as they went into captivity. Then, because of their continued rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar came back again and took some more into captivity. And Ezekiel went in the second group that went into captivity. And finally, because of their continued rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar came and took the remnant of the nation into captivity. And they were there for 70 years. Now, just like they went in in three different phases... So they returned from captivity in three different phases or three different stages. In 538, uh, during the reign of Cyrus, uh, a, a group returned under Zerubbabel, and you read of that in Ezra chapter number two. Then, in the reign of Artaxerxes in 458 BC, another group returned under the leadership of this man by the name of Ezra. And then, of course, in 444 B.C., Nehemiah led a third uh, group uh, of exiles back to Jerusalem. And so the books of Ezra and Nehemiah record for us the return of the people back from captivity. Now, the focus of the book of Ezra is on the rebuilding of the temple. Remember, what was their purpose? To build the house of the Lord God of Israel. When, when the people had gone into captivity, the Babylonians had destroyed Solomon's temple. And so there was no place of worship. There was no house of God in that promised land. And so when they came back under the edict of Cyrus and later on as, as they continued to filter back in, their focus was to rebuild, to build the house of God in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, when Nehemiah returned later on, uh, the the temple had been rebuilt in some fashion. It had been completed. It had been finished. We read of that in Ezra chapter number 6. But Nehemiah saw that the walls of the city had not been repaired. They were broken down. The gates were burned. And Nehemiah said, we need to build up the walls. And that was the focus of the remnant who returned with Nehemiah. And with these thoughts in mind, I want to give you some some considerations on on this parallel thought, establishing worship and erecting walls. Establishing worship and erecting walls. I want you to consider three things with me very quickly this evening. Number one, let's think about the typology represented. As we consider the focus of these books, note what they picture... As we look at the book of Ezra, we found that their purpose, their their goal was to rebuild the house of the Lord God of Israel. That is, they wanted to establish worship. That was their primary focus. That was the thing that was the most important. Could I say to you, because the temple had been destroyed, now they had no focal point of worship. They had no place they could call their own. Originally, it had been the tabernacle that God had instructed Moses about. And God said to Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle because there I want to meet with you, and there I want to commune with you. My, what a tremendous thought that God was interested not just in bringing the people out of Egypt, but that God wanted to dwell among them that God wanted to fellowship with his people that God wanted to be in close contact with them man what an amazing thought that the God of heaven would be so concerned with fallen humanity that he not just desired to save them But he wanted to live among them. And of course when Solomon came and and then built the temple. They moved those artifacts. uh, They moved that focal point of worship from the tabernacle. Which they used in the wilderness. Now to the temple which Solomon had built. But when Nebuchadnezzar came and the third time They had already stripped the gold off of the gates, uh, uh, the doors of that temple. They uh, looted it of all of its brass, of all of its gold, all of its valuables. And then they lit it on fire. They burned it to the ground. And there was absolutely nothing left. And for 70 years, that place has lain dormant. But now there's a burden in the heart. God begins to move and God begins to work. And he takes a heathen king by the name of Cyrus. And he says, you need to go. You need to send these people back so they can build me a place. God said, 70 years without them being in my presence is too long. I want to be back among them. I want to live among them. I want to walk with them. I want to talk with them. I want to fellowship with them. And God stirs Cyrus and Zerubbabel, and they come back and they begin to rebuild that. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of our communion with God. You see, that temple was the place where God met with them at the mercy seat. That was the place God communed with them. And can I say to you that it is of utmost importance that you and I have a regular time of communing with God. Oh, I trust that you can say the words of that song and mean them with all of your heart, that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. How important it is for us to establish that worship. And can I say worship is more than just coming to a church service. Worship is more than just an emotional experience. Worship is uh, is really a relationship in which we extol his worth and we exalt him for who he is and for what he does. Remember the wise men in Matthew chapter number two? The Bible says, they, they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. And by the way, if they came with the purpose in mind of worshiping him, we can learn some lessons from them. I would say to you that worship involves attendance they couldn't worship him without coming that was why they came was to worship him can i say that's why we come to this place is to worship him It's not about who's preaching. It's not about who's singing. It's not about who's playing an instrument. It's about Him, about who we should be preaching. It's about Him, about who we should be singing. It's about Him, for whom we should be playing. It's all about Him. We come to worship Him. And it's hard to worship Him if you don't attend. But can I say, more than just worshiping on Sunday and on Wednesday, we ought to worship Him on Monday. And we ought to worship him on Tuesday. And we ought to worship him on Thursday. And we ought to worship him on Friday. And we ought to worship him on Saturday. And that means that you and I must attend, have a place where we come into his presence, where we meet with him, where we extol him and we exalt him for simply who he is. It's not that we're coming to get something from him. We're just coming to praise Him for who He is and for what He has already done. That's worship. It involves our attendance. Can I say this? When they came to worship Him, you'll notice that it included their assets. They presented unto Him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Could I say this? It's hard to worship Him without involving your assets. And that means your treasures. That means your time. Because your time is your own. You do with it what you will. That means your talents. If you have a talent to sing, you ought to use it for the glory of God and to worship Him. If you have a talent to play an instrument, you ought to be up here playing an instrument for the glory of God, using your ability to worship Him. If you have a talent uh, of some kind of ability, you ought to find a place where it can be used in the worship and for the purpose of the furthering of the work of God. That is what worship is about, is about taking our assets and giving it to Him. Why? Because He is worthy. Then could I say, not only did it involve their attendance and their assets, but it involved their acquiescence remember the bible says and being warned of god by an angel they departed to their own country another way they didn't go back the same way they had come you know why because god had told them to go a different way it, it's it's like this They were wise when they came. I'm sure they took the best route. I'm sure they took the safest route. I'm sure they took the shortest route. The route that was the most advisable these wise men must have taken when they came to worship him. That means when they went back, it was not the, humanly speaking, the safest route. It was not the most advisable route, and it was probably not the shortest route. But it was God's route. Can I say in our life sometimes we don't understand why God says go this way rather than this way because humanly speaking, this is the way that makes sense. But you know what? When we worship him, we say, fine, Lord, you know things that I don't know. You're God and I'm just a man and so I'm gonna acquiesce. I'm gonna yield to your way and I'm gonna go the way you direct me with my life. That's what worship is all about. So the book of Ezra is about establishing worship. Very quickly, notice that the book of Nehemiah is about building the wall of Jerusalem. He said in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 17, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. The book of Nehemiah is about erecting walls. You see, at the same time that the city had been destroyed and and the temple had been destroyed, the gates, uh, the the, uh, temple had been set on fire. At the same time, the gates of the city had been burned and the walls had been torn down. They had been destroyed. And so now the people needed to rebuild them to secure the city from their enemies. And by the way, just as establishing worship, as building that house of God pictures for us our communion with God, so this erection of the walls represents to us our convictions for living. You see, the Bible has a lot to say about this. For example, in Psalm 1, in verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see, there are some negatives for positive living. If you want to live right, you're going to have to understand that there are some things that God says no. You know what convictions are? Convictions are merely barriers that are erected for the defense of that which is valuable. And can I say we have a lot of valuable things. I trust that your testimony is valuable to you. If your testimony is valuable, you ought to be willing to erect some barriers, what? To protect your testimony against the attacks of the enemy. I I trust that your marriage is valuable to you. If you're here tonight and you're married, I trust that that marriage is a thing of great value. And guess what you ought to do? If it's a thing of great value, you ought to erect some barriers to protect the, uh, that which is valuable from the attacks and the inroads of the enemy. I trust that your children are valuable to you if you have children tonight. And if they're valuable to you, you ought to erect some barriers, what, to protect them because they are valuable from the attacks and from the inroads of the enemy. And so we have the typology that's represented. Very quickly, I want you to notice something very interesting to me about the time required. If you look at the story in Ezra and the story in Nehemiah, you'll discover that these two great endeavors really... Uh, are far different in the time that it took to accomplish them to establish worship if you go back and read Ezra chapter 3 and verses 8 through 11 you'll discover that they began to lay the foundations of the temple and as best we can determine that occurred in 536 BC now when we get over to Ezra chapter 6 and verse number 15 we read it in our reading tonight they finished the house They completed the building thereof, but that actually occurred in 516 B.C. That means it took approximately 20 years for them to build the house of God. Can I tell you, worship is not something that is established. Communion with God is not something that's quickly set up. You know what it takes? It takes day after day after day week after week, month after month, just every day saying, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to walk with God. I want to have time when God can talk to me. I want to see what God has to say. And even though yesterday it didn't seem like I got much, I'm going to go back again because I believe God has something for me. And I'm going to go back again. And I'm going to go back again. And I'm going to go back again. And I want to tell you, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's kind of like being in a marriage. You think you know someone and then you marry them. And all of a sudden, you find out all kind of stuff that you never knew before. You didn't know she squeezed the toothpaste from the middle of the tube. And now you've got to deal with that. And you understand you've got to deal with that for the next 50, 75, 150 years, however long both of you live. Can I say to you, you didn't know she really looked like that. You'd never seen her with her face off. And by the way, she had never known how loud you snored because she had never heard you sleep before. See, all of these things are new things. You know what you have to do? You're married, yes. You're you're connected one to the other. But guess what happens over those next many years? You begin to build a relationship. You begin to know what she likes and what she doesn't like. And if you love her, you begin to try to strive to do those things that she likes and try to stop doing those things that she doesn't like. Oh, can I say that's the way it is with God? You get saved and it's the most wonderful thing. But that's only the beginning. Because as you live and as you read his word and as you commune with him, you begin to find out God doesn't like this. Oh, but what if I really love him? You know what I try to do? I try to stop doing that. And yeah, sure, I mess up. But guess what I do? Just like I do with my wife. I go and I have to say I'm sorry. I messed up. And I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have reacted in that way. Will you forgive me? And guess what? God always forgives. And we start again. But it's a continual, long-term process. Communion with God. But then notice, when they built these walls, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 15, So the wall was finished in the 20 and fifth day of the month, Elo, in 52 days. It only took them 52 days to build the walls and yet 20 years to establish worship by building the house of God. Can I say this walls are easier than worship? That's why a lot of people just try to build more walls. Because it's easier just to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to build a wall here. But then they don't develop a relationship. And then when they stumble and fall, they say, well, what I need is another wall. Oh, but can I say just building walls along is not going to suffice for you to have a successful journey in your Christian life. Here's the truth revealed. Notice number three, the truth revealed. There's some things about these two endeavors which they have in common. I want you to realize tonight that both of them were inspired by God. God said you need to establish worship and the same God said you need to erect walls. Can I say you and I in our life, we both need to establish worship and we need to erect walls. Walls are easier. That's why we concentrate on walls because we always like to do what's easiest, don't we? But God says worship is just as important. It may take you longer. It may require more effort. You may have to put more in it. You, You may endeavor for a longer time before you see some real results, but I want you to establish worship just as bad as I want you to erect walls. They were both inspired by God by the way study it out you'll discover that both of them were infuriating to the enemy just like God wants you to establish worship and God wants you to erect walls the enemy doesn't want you to do either one the enemy wants you to leave the walls broken down and the enemy wants you to stay with no place and no regular time no regular location to worship God and commune with him and by the way it's really amazing that in chapter number four, four is the number of the world in the Bible. In chapter number four of Ezra, the enemy rises up against their building of the temple. And in chapter number four, the enemy rises up against their building of the walls in Nehemiah. The world does not want you to have worship, and the world does not want you to have walls. And they will fight against you. By the way, both of these things required investment. It took time, it took money. And it took labor. Can I say, if we're going to amount to anything for God, we're going to have to understand that it's going to take some investment. I'm going to have to be willing to put myself into this thing of building a relationship with God and erecting some walls to keep me safe. And by the way, both were invaluable. Can I say it this way? Walls do not make you spiritual. And worship will not keep you safe. Yeah, that's good, brother. That's very good. You know what you need? Yeah. You need both. Yes, you see, here's what happened. If you have walls without worship, it leads to self-righteousness. Well, I don't do this, and I don't go there. And what we're doing is we're building up our self-righteousness based on the walls that we have erected. But can I say to you that worship by itself will lead to sinfulness. You say, why? Because the enemy is free to come in and attack. And trust me, the enemy will find any inroad in which to attack. You see regulations without a relationship leads to self-righteousness and a relationship without regulations leads to sinfulness. You say preacher, what are we going to do? I tell you what. Come on. Let's just establish worship. Let's just determine with all of our heart that every day we're going to commune with God. We're going to have a place, we're going to have a period, we're going to have a purpose. That God might speak to me. That I might find out what pleases God. So I may do it. And I may learn what displeases God. So I may avoid it. Because I want to cultivate a relationship with him. For he is worthy. But on the other hand we must erect walls. Because there is an enemy who is seeking our downfall. Our destruction. And if I do not build a wall, I cannot keep him out. Oh, let me ask you the question. You see, in God's Word, you'll discover many times that God talks about the importance of balance. God wants us to be balanced in our Christian life. And if we're all worship and no walls, we're out of balance. If we're all walls and no worship, we're out of balance. You know what we need? We need both. Maybe tonight you have a wonderful walk with God, but you've neglected to build some walls in your life. Maybe tonight you just need to come to an altar and say, Lord, help me to see where I need to build a wall, where I need to establish something to protect that which I deemed to be valuable in my life i don't want the enemy to get in and to destroy that which i've worked for god help me to see where i need to build some walls maybe on the other hand maybe you've got a lot of walls to realize there's not very much worship maybe tonight you just need to come and say lord i've been trying so hard to protect that which i deem to be valuable But tonight I realize I've just been taking the easy road. I haven't really worked on cultivating a relationship with you. God, help me to establish a place and a period and a purpose every day that I might walk with you so that I might cultivate that communion so I might know your will for my life.